This episode has been brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House. You are now tuned in into the Soul Sister Sunday podcast. My name is Kim. My name is Jay, and we are co-hosts for today's episode and every episode from Soul Sisters Sunday. We're coming to you with deep conversations, questions, and pondering the different wonders of life. We're also coming to you with friendship because Kim and I are great friends. Stay tuned and enjoy. And don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, leave us reviews. We appreciate all the love and support and stay tuned for our episode. So this is a topic that you and I have been putting off for quite some time now. It is a bit difficult, but today we're going to talk about grief. When I hear the word grief, I instantly think of sadness, depression, unhappy moments. But upon research and learning a few things, it's actually more complex than that. So this would be interesting to talk about. Definitely a topic that is needed. I think more people need to talk about it. And as we do on this platform, we bring the heavy hitters and we're going to continue being transparent and bring these topics that we do believe we need to talk about because it is a reality in life. Well, to start out, let's define grief. When I looked up what is grief, a lot of definitions came about. And so I'm going to read some of them that really hit home for me. And that made sense to me. One of the first ones was whenever something is lost, no matter what, no matter why, and it causes pain in its absence, that is grief. Kim, what was your definition of grief? Or did you have different definitions of grief? To start off, yes, I had a totally different definition in mind. But upon looking around, to me, the one that really makes the most sense is that it's a process by which a person adjusts to a physical absence of someone with whom they continue to have a psychological or spiritual relationship with. It's a natural reaction that can affect everyone differently. I like that you said that it was a response and not a reaction. And I agree with that. Another definition that I came across was grief is not the state of sadness, but it is incorporated with the state of desiring, yearning, our dopamine receptors are placing us in state of desiring something or a specific outcome or a specific person. And to look at grief that way also makes sense. That broadens it a little bit more because when you say it's something and not always someone, it makes me think that it's possible to grieve a situation, it's possible to grieve materialistic things. And that right there, I have a hard time with believing, but at the same time, I do see how that is possible. I had a struggle understanding that as well, which brings us to the last definition in the grieving descriptor, because I believe it's so true if we're looking at it from a logical perspective. Once again, we can talk about grief in a very subjective way, and we probably will on today's episode. So get your napkins, your Kleenex, whatever you wipe your eyes with, get those ready. But first, let's talk about it from a logical perspective. And in science, Grief is described as the uncoupling and remapping of our connections related to what we are grieving in terms of space, time, and closeness. In other words, it is the action of creating logical separation that we have lost something and it will need a different space in our brain and how we remember it will also change. The episodic memories that we have with things, places, or people 
will change and they will lessen its value over time. This was something that was found through using brain imaging studies where they saw that grieving activates receptors of pain. And so if we are in pain, then our brain will naturally want us to remove ourselves from pain by remapping things if we're moving through the grieving process healthily. With that in mind, because there's so many levels to it and it's broken up in so many different ways, that brings about different types of grieving. Here is where my transparency is forthcoming. I was diagnosed with complex grieving years ago and I never knew what that was. And that's why I value the idea of professional help so much because that brought to the forefront something that I didn't know I was experiencing and it labeled it for me. And therefore I was able to move through my grieving. So I learned about complex grief and I learned about all these other types of griefs back in the day. Okay, I never knew complex grieving was a thing either. I honestly always thought that it's all the same. But looking at it now and having read the article that you sent, I would say I do a lot of absent grieving as well as delayed grief. And honestly, I believe it comes from childhood. Seeing my parents navigate the loss of something, they always hit their emotions or hit how they felt or we didn't know of it until later because it didn't hit them until a later date. We always talk about things being generational and being passed down. I honestly believe the way that we grieve is passed down as well. Since my parents showed me how to do delayed grieving or masking, I accidentally taught that to my daughter as well. There was a loss on her side of the family, her dad's side of the family. And when I first told her about it, she played the cool. Oh, okay, moving on, going on my life. Today's library day at school, she was great. But the next day when she finally realized the news I gave her, she broke down. And at such a young age for a child to act like that, I thought it was a little weird. Never seen a child act like that before. And now that I look back at it, yes, she was going through a delayed grief. And now that I know that, I'll be more mindful of it and hopefully find ways to help her express herself if she experiences another loss. That's so beautiful. I think grief is also awareness as everything else in life is. When I was looking at this, I remember coming across the ambiguous grief and or disenfranchised grief, which is something that I do struggle with. With ambiguous grief also, it's about not just a place or a thing or someone that's passed away, but it's people that are alive. So for me, I grieve people that are living alive on this great Sunday, enjoying a cup of coffee because <laughs> they're talking about grief. I'm grieving them. There's moments, grief is waves of emotional depth. There's moments where I am going down the street and something triggers my memory into thinking about them and I will cry and I will feel. So it is real, regardless of how physical it is. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's something that people don't talk about often, but someone doesn't have to die to grieve them. We grieve friendships. We know plenty of people who grieve romantic relationships. 
But again, it goes back to this idea that we try to dismiss it because that person is still alive. There have been times when I have a memory of someone or I could be watching TV and that something will cross my mind. And it's not exactly sadness, but almost like a shock. Like, damn, I don't fuck with them no more. Or I'll never hear from them again. That's disappointing. But it's normal to grieve someone who is literally probably down the street, up the road, enjoying their day. It is very normal. And I think people need to create space for it. There's not enough space to grieve people who are no longer a part of us in today's world. But also, there's not enough space to grieve ourselves, meaning who I was at 21, who I was at 25. There's grief in that too. There's experiences that happened, good or bad, regardless, that I need to grieve over and there needs to be space, there needs to be capacity for us to do that. And we don't talk about that enough. I would say that 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 plays into complex grief, guys. <laughs> we all are struggling with some complex griefing. <laughs> I don't know about we all, but most people can say that. You mentioned how we grieve our younger selves or grieve situations that happened to us when we were younger. I struggle with that idea just a little bit because I do think about things that happened to me way back when. And again, it's more of a shock. Is more of a damn. It's more of a, I can accept that it happened, but I'm here now and I'm safe. So the idea of grieving yourself, that's something I would like to explore more so I can fully understand it. I think that goes to the topic of the five stages of grieving or seven or however many people want to really put out there. Because in the stages of grieving, some go through all of them. But some don't even go through any of them. And that's based on how your brain is set up to work these traumatic events that happen. And because you said it earlier, the way that your parents showed you how they process their emotions at a younger age, you may not feel the need to go through many of these stages. And you may just be able to jump through the end and congratulations, absence of emotion sometimes can be good. <laughs> because when you think about complicated grief, complicated grief is when you're stuck in these emotional depths of your pain, of what you're yearning for, of the way that your map is connecting. There's an issue there. And in that state, you may go through all stages and you may even create more stages of grieving. There's differences in how people grieve. And I think we have to be very aware of that and point that out as much as we can on this episode. Because all ways of grieving are okay. There is no one way to grieve. And don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Now that you brought that up, I know we're going to get into the five or seven stages of grieving, but now I have two stories for you. As always, it's Kim's Story Corner. <laughs> the first story. We just learned of a family member passing away yesterday. From the story they told me, she passed away on Thursday. It was my grandmother's younger sister, which is her only living sibling left. So now it's just her by herself. But when I found out the news yesterday, I was like, oh damn, for real? Yikes, somebody check on big mama, see how she feeling. Like I felt very normal. Literally 10 minutes later, my little sister called me and she was boohooing in tears. I had to talk her through it a little bit, but it's crazy how this family member we both knew, both grew up with, I was pretty calm. 
and it hit her pretty hard. So all that to say that everyone is indeed different and there's no right or wrong way to accept the news of someone leaving or crossing over. I agree. Just process it how you can. Yes, and be kind to each other. We'll get to that a little bit later in this episode. But before we get to the five stages or seven stages or X amount of stages of grieving, what's your second story, Kim? Now I'm curious. Well, this is something we may get into a little later in the episode, so I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I would just say that don't use grief as an excuse to be an asshole. I had a friend who lost someone very near and dear to her, and she was going through the stages of grief, however they may look like for her, but people were telling me to be patient with her, although she was being mean and being an asshole, damn near being a narcissist. So I'm supposed to excuse your bullshit behavior because you're grieving. I just don't like the idea of abusing it. I agree with that now. I'm all on that fine lines between everything. Just because I'm experiencing a lower vibrational moment does not give me the right to bring people into my vibe. My misery don't like company. Thank you very much. And your misery shouldn't like company either. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. I'm going to steal that for now on. No but yes, like, trademark that. <laughs> Don't this there Sunday. <laughs> but <laughs> we said before on many different episodes, we try to move in love. We try to be patient with people. We try to be kind and compassionate. But people have a way of abusing things. Grief is no different. Just like you can abuse someone's kindness. You can abuse drugs. You can abuse the free TV subscriptions for a one week trial or however you may use it, you can abuse grief as well. And I just want people to be mindful of that. You want me to be kind to you, even though you're going through something, be kind to me as well. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly, 100%. Sign on the dotted line. I'm here with my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into these stages of grief and what they may look like. The main pistachio that people come through, according to majority of society, The H is denial, followed by anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and hope. Once again, these stages can be random. They could go in logical order, or they can happen repeatedly. And also, before we continue, I do want to mention that we can grieve certain things multiple times in our lifetime. Whenever we're talking about stages, Those stages can be something that we revisit again and again, because again, grieving happens in waves. I also want to throw in there that some of those stages don't happen at all. Some people go through denial and then go straight to acceptance and hope, or some people go through bargaining, but never experience the anger part. So you don't have to experience all of them. Some of them will miss. And I agree with you when I say there is no certain way to go about it. As far as like, I have to go through this first before I get to that, or I didn't experience this step. Maybe I should try to like, you don't have to do that. All this talk about grief. There are grief podcasts out there that walk you through these different processes and help you figure out exactly what it looks like. So I suggest looking to that as well. If you're struggling with grief, we'll talk more about tools at the end of the episode for those that are struggling or not even struggling because sometimes grief is not a struggle. And I also want to talk about that. I am grieving, but I am not struggling. I am thriving in my grieving, even though I am still grieving. I think that's very possible too. And I find that to be healthy. 
only because you still have a life to live. You have moments where you think about a person or a thing and it may hit you and it may upset you or it may make you angry, all these different things, right? But at the end of the day, you still got to look out for you and you still got to keep pushing with your life. But don't ever feel like you have to completely just brush your feelings under the rug. And I know you don't. You're the one that taught me how to feel. So (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) that you are taking care of yourself in that way. But it's good to know that you are trying to live your life and thrive. Yes, girl, I turned that emotional volume up. That's all I did. I went to your system core and I said, huh, oh, that one is the one that's a little low. Let's blow that shit up. (laughs) (laughs) And you did. But even with that, even though you taught me how to feel, you didn't turn yours off. You have a way of handling yours that's healthy for you. And with you being a very logical person and you being open to your feelings, I'm sure when those moments hit, you do what you got to do and then you get back to work or back to life or back to shopping, whatever it is, you continue to live your life. Yes. And that's what I really hope that comes through this episode. Listeners, grieving is something that is going to happen in life, but we can also enjoy our life as this is happening because we're here to experience life and grieving is part of that experience. So I hope that this episode doesn't weigh down your spirit, but rather allows you to be aware of something that you will experience in life and how to better decipher it. Because I know growing up, I grieved a lot of things and I never had a path, a guide, anything that said, this is what it's called. And these are the things that you could feel and it's okay to feel this. And this is what you could do and it's okay to do. So For me, this episode is for my younger self. If I could dedicate this episode, I would definitely dedicate it to her because she deserves to have labels to things. She deserves to be taught this so she could grow up in awareness. I'm sure many other listeners out there can relate. And I'm trying not to make it a black, brown, and white thing. But honestly, black and brown people have been taught to suck it up and keep pushing all our lives. So to take time out today to really acknowledge that we don't have to means a lot so just like you girl it's comforting for me it's helping me figure out some things it's helping somebody else out there we have to learn how to allow ourselves to be and to feel and to hold ourselves in certain situations so i really think this will help with that we have to allow ourselves to experience life we don't allow ourselves to experience life i'll say that boldly And this is one of those things. Why? Because it's taboo. Why? Because, oh, God forbid, you're not seen as strong if you're crying over someone that died or if you're crying over a loss of a friendship. God forbid, you're not strong, you're weak. Actually, it's the opposite because you're going through that emotional turbulence. You're strong as fuck. And I can't wait to see you on the other side because you're going to be glowing. Girl, let's get back to these other stages. I'm ready to go from this first stage. Well, you already mentioned the five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and hope. But for people who believe there are seven, shock will be the first stage, same five stages. And then the processing of the grief will be the last stage after acceptance. I myself, I believe there are more of a seven stage thing going on with grief. I would like to add an additional stage, if I may coin it as Soul Sisters Sunday. Okay, so the Soul Sister Sunday stage of grief. Let's hear it. It's guilt. And I want to incorporate survivor's guilt 
regret into that. As I mentioned, I have been grieving since a long time ago. And part of my grieving does involve guilt and doesn't involve survivor's guilt, to be more specific. I grew up in a very harmful home and I grew up with someone who shared the same experience as me. Someday, I feel guilty for walking away from my family and leaving her even though she was older than I was, even though the protection should have been coming from her. It makes me feel guilty. I do have regrets of the things that I could have done to love her when I was with her. So I will coin that here. I can agree with you on that. Guilt can be a big part of grieving. I know a lot of people who feel it's their fault a situation turned out in a bad way or it's their fault that there was a loss or an absence of something I don't know if anybody else out there watches Blood and Water but that's one of my favorite shows on Netflix and I hate to give it away but I'm gonna give it away in one episode (laughs) the main character her and her father get into a bad car accident and she makes it out alive with some sprains some bruises broken bones but unfortunately her dad passes away And for a couple of episodes, she held it in. She held it together. Even at the funeral, she held it up pretty well. But at the very last episode, she broke down and she started blaming herself for her dad's death because she was in the car with him. And because of her actions, which led to him being a target. So all that to say, that's showing right there, delayed grief, as well as the guilt part that you spoke of. So feeling guilty about someone's passing, it's, It's sad, but it definitely happens. Or feeling guilty about moving away from a situation, even though you had to do what was best for you, you will have those moments when you feel, damn, I could have did more. Damn, I shouldn't have did that. Grief does have a lot of stages. And the more we identify those stages, the more that we can give ourselves a fighting chance in getting out of that phase of getting over that hill. Will it come back? Maybe, maybe it'll be a bigger hill, maybe it'll be a smaller hill, but it'll be a hill that we have come across and we know how to do it. So once again, if you guys get anything from this podcast episode, I would want you to get that you can do it, identify it and work on it and you can get through it. I don't think it's really necessary to work on it alone. If you have someone you feel comfortable expressing yourself to and they're open to you expressing yourself then do that there's also many different outlets I know you said we'll get into a little bit later on the episode so I won't say too much now but yes it's okay to process it and seek help when needed now I have a question for Kim do you think happiness is part of grieving not exactly no I believe you can be happy and live your life and enjoy things and still grieve but I don't think it's a part of it. And I could be speaking from my personal experiences, seeing that I grieve a little different, but you could be happy. You can have happy moments. You can still laugh and talk shit and kick it and all these things and then go home and allow yourself to feel the anger because you remember something or allow yourself to bargain with the loss or the absence of something or someone. So it's two separate things, in my opinion. I would say that happiness is a part of grief. 
I believe that I have done a lot of things in my life that make me happy because I am grieving. I even think happiness is probably a stage in grieving in my experience because when I'm doing something that either I did with that person or reminds me of that place, I am happy and my grief feels happy. It feels like, yes, I'm creating these new memories in this space or this person, time and place where it was different. The perfect example would be going back home to Chicago. I grief Chicago. I grief not being able to go downtown and take the red line. I grief when I'm home, I am happy, but I also know that I don't belong there. So I grieve it in happiness. Like you said, you feel happy there. You have these memories and you enjoy yourself, but you know that you can't stay. Would that be maybe a little bit of homesickness instead of grieving? Homesickness is grief, Kim. Homesickness and grief, yes. There's absence of a place that you grew up in. I understand all of that. But even with that, I just think happiness is just you living in that moment. It's not exactly a part of the grief. I don't know. My mind wants to separate the two for some reason. Yeah, because you want to think that grief is always sadness. Griefness is a state of sadness, but grief is also the process of getting out of that sadness. I also think about happiness in grief when I think about Dia de los Muertos. So you're saying that we cannot grieve someone unless we're sad, and that's not true. Dia de los Muertos is a perfect example of happiness and grief. How are you celebrating this person? Oh, you're making them an ofrenda. Oh, you're making them pan de muerto. Because you're thinking of them because you want to give them their happiness. This year, I made pan de muerto and I was thinking of my dad. I was thinking of my stepdad. I was thinking of my fish that had passed away. And I was so happy making pan de muerto and I was happy to shape it into the shape that I thought was best and bake it with love and give it to them as an offering. That was happiness in my grieving. I respectfully disagree wholeheartedly. That's a good example. The holiday you just brought up, that is a celebration and celebrations are happy times. And I believe maybe happiness and grief can be seen more as a cultural thing because the Chinese community do something similar to that too when someone passes away. They don't really get sad. They more or less celebrate their life. So I think it's maybe how you make it and how you process it. And going back to me being so weird, or me being so quick to disassociate from things, I've always struggled to make that connection with happiness and grief. Even as a kid, when we go to funerals and everyone's sad and crying, and the first thing they say, I don't know if they do it at every funeral, but the first thing they say after a Black funeral is, so who house having a repast? What food going to be at the repast? They used to piss me off so much because how can you sit there and eat and laugh when we just cried our eyes out? So I think it's more of a personal thing why I can't connect the two. I think that that volume of emotion is turned down again in terms of how you connect those two. And that's probably just something you have to continuously unpack for yourself and move through. And that's okay. Some people were not taught how to be emotional creatures. I know I wasn't. It's okay to be ambiguous in how we see the world. We don't know everything. And there's a lot of things that we don't know that we don't know. That's one of them for you, Kim. And that's something that I will have to respect from other people. If happiness is a part of your grief, I am in no place to tell you how to process and handle things. If anything, if that makes you happy and keeps you functioning throughout the day, then I highly encourage it. It's just over here, my mind got to get it together. But <laughs> I encourage you to do whatever you feel 
will help you get through the day and honor that person. Now, next question. Is grief becoming a buzzword? Yes. Yes, it is. Fight me about it. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk to us. Grief has become a big topic as of the last maybe three, four months. They moved on from toxic to grief. And to me, people are sticking grief on anything and everything. And again, using it as that excuse to act out a certain way and also is losing its real meaning and value. We just went through all the different stages and what it means and the different types of grief. But with people trying to make it a popular thing to stick a label on themselves, they're not really doing the digging or doing the work to find out what it really looks like and what it really is. So to me, it's becoming a buzzword. And I wish people would really put more effort into learning about it before they try to stick this upon themselves. So you're saying people are labeling themselves, I am grieving, I am going through grief. Yes, and not knowing what it means. I saw on Instagram a little clip of G Herbo having a sit down with Carisha. And he talks about his trauma and losing his homies back home, whatever he was calling them. He talks about that. But it's almost like he was saying it just to avoid the question or kind of find a way to excuse his behavior. Yeah, I cheated on her, but I had a lot going on. I just lost so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, well, instead of harming someone who loves and cares about you, why didn't you seek professional help to figure out what you're really going through? It's things like that that make me feel like people are just using it as an excuse and treating it like it's a t-shirt off the rack at the store. They're not really trying to process it or move forward or really dig deep and find out how to keep living their life in a healthy manner. Anything that is buzzworth in the mass holds such a unique space in terms of looking at it as a third perspective because buzzwords create these rippling effects into people's lives and people start talking about it. And I think that's so important. So I don't want to throw out the baby with the water that it was washed in. Like, I don't want to do that. I think the trajectory of putting out these labels so people can get curious of them is important in our society. However, I don't condone people using these labels to excuse their behavior. Never, ever. So I agree with you. That's the problem I have right there. Sometimes when these words are brought up or thrown around, they don't spark enough curiosity. At that point, it's the blind leading the blind. Well, since so-and-so said they're grieving and they're out there doing hard drugs, I'm going to use that as my excuse too and not further explore what it really means or what it really is. People remain in ignorance and I get it. Ignorance is bliss, but sometimes it doesn't hurt to explore a little bit. That trigger doesn't always happen with these buzzwords. And I feel this is slowly happening with grief. That's fair. That's a more of a sociological topic. Another discussion for another day. <laughs> yes, it is. But that's just my opinion on it. I may change my mind later on. I may still feel the same way. I still hate the word toxic. And it's like five years later. So maybe grief may be the same. We'll stick around and see. I thought boundaries was the hot topic. Am I off the bandwagon here? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. So boundaries is also becoming another buzzword. And maybe we'll talk about it on a different episode. But yes, <laughs> that's another one I have a bit of an issue with. But we'll get into that way later down the line. All right, let's go ahead and focus on what we should be telling people who are grieving. So now we had this idea of people can be grieving, right? They could be doing awful things, but we can also hold people accountable. So is there something we should be telling people who are grieving? What do you think, Kim? That's hard 
to me, that's hard anyway. I don't want to tell someone the wrong thing and it hurts them or it makes them feel worse than what they already feel. Lately, I've been trying to avoid telling people you're strong, you get this. Because you don't have to be strong all the time. Some days you want to just sit in a corner and cry and ball up in your blanket, as you should. So that's one phrase I have been avoiding a lot. I would say encourage them to take their time. There is no timeline. There is no rush. They are not in a race. It's not a competition. Just remind them of that. Some people grieve for two days. Some people grieve for two years. Some people grieve for five years. For the fact it looks so different on everyone, allow them the space to really process what they're feeling and going through. I agree with that. I think I would tell people, not necessarily tell them, because who am I to tell someone what to do or how to feel? But I know recently one of my childhood friends lost her grandmother and I have been checking in with her and I've asked her directly, how is your grieving going? Her and I have a very transparent relationship. So she told me how it's going and I didn't say, hey, keep going, you're strong. It's, it was a, I'm sorry you're going through this. And are you seeking therapy? Who are you reaching out to? You can always reach out to me. I am here forever. But who are you reaching out to that's going to help you get through it? And she was telling me about her therapy endeavors and we're both Latina. So I suggested a Latinx therapy directory for her. And I told her, you need to seek somebody that can help you because you have four children at home and a husband that need you and you need yourself and you don't want to wait until that becomes depression because I never want to steer my sister wrong and I have been in all those stages and who am I not to help her I think it depends on who that person is of course if there is less connection then I don't know if you really have anything to say other than I'm sorry for your loss or I'm sorry you're going through this tough time I think that's good enough, especially like you said, if it's someone that you're not really close with, showing some sympathy and empathy for them can go a long way. Most times when people are grieving, they feel they are alone. They feel they can't turn to anyone. It can feel almost isolating. So just to let them know, I understand your sadness. I feel for you. Here's a couple resources, if they're open to it, of course, that can be a tremendous help to someone. So I'm on board with doing that as well. If they're on board with something, if they're on board with the resources, girl, just shove it on in, put it in their purse. They'll see it later. <laughs> okay, you could be forceful and just shove it in their purse and when they go clean out their purse, they'll find it. Sure, if that's what you're into. But me personally, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> One thing I always never understood is saying something to a person like, you need to get over it. That was how many years ago and you're still crying over it? Suck it up. That's the last thing you want to tell someone who's trying to grieve or trying to understand what happened to them. I have family now that still say that about another family member. Their mom passed away when we were maybe 13, 14 years old. Here we are now in our early and mid-30s, and it's obvious they never fully processed what happened to their mom. They never fully felt through it, never got the help, just out here in the world. And other family members will say they need to get over it. That happened when they were teenagers. They have families of their own. They have lives to live. They need to suck it up. That's some of the worst shit you could tell someone. So I highly recommend staying away from that. I think I would tell people if we're just here to listen, right? I would tell someone that time means little to the act of grief, meaning that 
the saying that people say time heals all wounds, that's not true. Time does heal wounds in the physical aspect of you can scab over something because that's how our body works, but it doesn't heal grieving that you haven't gone through. So it doesn't matter how much time has passed. If you haven't felt it, if you haven't rearranged or remapped those connections that you have of that person and your memory, the way that science describes it, it won't heal anything. Two, I think about grief in terms of you're always going to feel it. It can heal, right? If you go through the stages, just like a broken bone can heal. If you go to the doctor and you get a cast and blah, 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 it can heal. But a broken bone, you will always feel it in certain times, maybe when the weather is a little cold or when it's raining outside, it still throbs. To me, that's what grieving feels like. And that's something that we have to tell people too, because if we don't, we're setting them up for this expectation that grief will go away. And it doesn't. Grief is like the cycle of life. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be something we experience. I like that you brought up it's like a wound or a broken bone. Wounds can be reopened in certain situations and that's what happens with grief. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but you can't avoid it. <laughs> something to me in my little mind, something is going to happen that's going to trigger you to go through these stages at some point. Not all of them, but maybe one or two. And I just want to remind people of that as well when they are grieving. It looks different day by day and it's okay. It looks different day by day. I really think that it needs to be more encouragement to that person. And if there's ever a time that it feels like it's too much for a regular person to handle, they should seek therapy. <laughs> and I don't like throwing it in people's faces, but I do believe therapy can help a lot with that. Yes, and I don't I don't care about throwing it in people's faces. You need therapy when you're going through grief. You truly, duly, forever need therapy. I will stand on that hill till the cows come home because there is no way that someone who is going through grief can get through it alone. And a lot of us want to believe that we can get through things alone. And the fact is that we cannot. We need community. And it may not be therapy. It may be your community that helps you get through grief, but you have to talk about it. I want to mention that grief and depression are not the same thing. You can experience depression symptoms when you are grieving, but grief does not respond to medication. As much as people want to say grief doesn't happen and I'm not grieving, if you guys are struggling with depression, first make sure that you guys are not grieving. I just want to circle back real quick to something you said, and I know you may want to choke me for this, but you said that you cannot grieve alone. I slightly disagree with that, only because I have grieved situations alone. I have been through things that nobody ever knew about, and I feel like I'm okay. Keyword, <laughs> she feels like she's okay. It has been a loss of a friendship or a loss of a person, but it also has been situations in my personal life that didn't exactly involve people that I had to grieve and no one knew nothing about. And I still found a way to function and come out on top and move past it. So I battle with this idea that you can't do it alone. Okay, when I say you have community, I also mean the rippling effects. I mean, conversations like these. There's a lot of things that I have grieved by myself that I don't talk to people about too. That's true. But me being in community is me talking about grieving with you. 
I don't have to share my grievances with you. I don't have to share the things that I have battled with that keep me up at two in the morning or that I'm crying in the morning in the middle of Aldi. Like there's some things that you and I both don't share with each other, but that doesn't mean that you don't help me grieve. Community doesn't always have to be loud. Community can be silent. Why would you want to cry in Aldi? <laughs> you can't just walk past it like you didn't say that. <laughs> in my imaginary state, of course. No, for real, for real, in real life, no, I don't really cry in Aldi. But <laughs> I do think that the sentiment of crying in Aldi is waiting till that moment hits you. And I don't think we should wait till that moment hits us. Grieving and this episode and our experience in the topic is for us to be accountable that this can happen and we can identify it and we can move through it and we can empower ourselves because that is how we come out on top. It's not a lifelong sentence. It's an experience in life. Now you touched a little bit about how grieving and depression are two different things, but it can be caused by the other. There are also other physical things that happens to the body when grieving. And one I know for sure is memory loss. I've seen a lot of people who were going through chronic grieving or major changes, and it's like their memory was a little scattered, but there are others too. I'll let you talk about the others. The other ones are the change in your brain. And of course, I think that happens naturally because we are trying to make sense of the situation that happened, whether it was, let's say, a breakup of a friendship. Well, now you're getting used to the fact that you will be talking to this person every day. Now you have to get used to the fact that anytime you have this memory of her or them or him or whomever is your friend, you have to put distance in it. It no longer carries the same value. And so that is the change in your brain that happens. And with changes in our brain, a lot of other things can happen. Nothing is direct as we like to think. Everything is connected to each other in our brain. A lot of other different changes can occur as well. It can be that because you have a breakup of a friendship, you are no longer trustworthy of friendships. Therefore, you are closed off to friendship. Or you can experience a heightening of anxiety or be introduced to anxiety and or depression. So a lot of things can happen to our body physically and internally whenever we are dealing with grief. That's why I believe, again, to reiterate the fact that we want to check in with ourselves and ask ourselves, am I grieving something? And if so, what is it that I'm grieving? And where am I in my grieving process? And do I need professional help or do I just need to be present in my grieving? It almost makes me think a little bit about anticipating grief. It's another type of grieving, but you know how you said check in with yourself, am I grieving or what's going on with me? To me, it almost walks along the lines of that because you may find a reason to grieve or you may find something that may happen in the future now you're trying to mentally prepare for it i find myself doing that a lot the anticipating grief i have older parents i have old ass turtle i have people around me who have illnesses so i do see that being something that i do but that could be tough at that point i feel oh god if something were to happen will i be prepared do i have a plane ticket do i have enough money to get there it almost brings that to the forefront and you have to find a way to calm your mind down too when that happens i was thinking that when i came across that specific type of grief because i thought of it as a great you can get used to this idea of how you're going to grieve right and you could apply yourself the tools and resources that will make you feel you can survive that space. But at the same time, anxiety, yes, definitely. Coming up with 
imaginary things that are happening. Really? I don't know if that's a good thing. So I completely agree with you, but I like to think of it as a, it's not so bad because then you can really help yourself and it's bound to happen either way in life. So why not prepare yourself so you don't have to be asked to prepare? And that just might be my Capricorn sign. So I don't know, girl, that might be our Zodiac signs. We'll blame them. <laughs> that might be you seen as being prepared. I see it as trying to scare the shit out of me before it happens. <laughs> this takes us to a conversation of what tools can we have when we are grieving or going through grief. And we talked a little bit about it. Stress levels, meaning cortisol levels during grieving are heightened. So in order for us to go through an experience of grief, we have to manage for cortisol levels, meaning we have to get enough sleep. We have to eat well, as much as we want to obviously not eat and not take space in the life that we're living, we need to be accountable to ourselves and show up and get some sun and get some type of routine because the higher your stress level is, the more likely you are to have complex grief or complicated grief. And just to throw it out there, one in 10 people struggle with this on a daily basis. So you count the 10 people around you and try to pick out who needs that extra support. Well, they say exercise helps with everything. So that's what my mind goes to when you say, get out, get some sun, go for a walk, find ways to get physical to manage your stress levels. It's just, it can be hard. Can we say that even though we want to say, get out there and go do it for some people, they can't just get up and go out. I have days when I feel super lazy and I don't even want to walk to the mailbox. I'll drive up to it. <laughs> it looks yes. different every day. So yes. I would just say, take time with it. Hmm. The day after there's a loss, don't go for a run if you don't feel like it. If it takes you two, three weeks to go for that run, then you do that. It's a time frame for those type of things sometimes. Yes. And when I say get active, it could be simple as go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. Get out of bed. If you have been in bed the whole day, go to your couch. See that perspective. See if that changes a little bit. And if that doesn't change a little bit, try the floor. That little change can definitely help you. And when I say try to give yourself something to do, I mean that because I have been there. And I haven't gotten up from my bed days on end. And I know how much that first step can make a change. And it has. And I wouldn't be here without those many first steps. So I mean that when I say try a little bit, show up for yourself a tiny bit. I think the tiny bit part is the most important because you don't want to use that as a way to avoid what you're going through either. Like you see people in the gym being gym rats. They work out all day long. All they do is exercise. They wake up, protein shake, hit the gym. After dinner, they hit the gym. Most times those people are trying to avoid something. It's not healthy to always avoid. So find a way to grieve, yet put yourself first. I think that's the main point of this whole exercise thing. Yes, get up and get moving, but at the same time, don't avoid your feelings. And that's where therapy comes into play for us, for Kim and I. I will speak for both of us. Seek some therapy if you need to, if you need to. If you feel in your heart and be very transparent with yourself, you're not getting up. It's been weeks that you're not getting up off your bed. It's been weeks since you've cleaned the house. It's been a month since you've taken a shower. Baby, baby, baby. You need some help. And there is nothing wrong with finding a grieving counselor, a grieving therapist to help you. As you were sitting there saying that, 
I just realized, <laughs> and it's going to sound so crazy to realize this a year, almost a year and a half later, I was going through a certain type of anxiety caused by grief, which is the reason I sought therapy. It's so funny how that just hit me right now. But oh. yes, I highly encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense though. It makes sense because you were grieving a time in your life. And it's so crazy because at the time when it was happening, I didn't know was grief. I thought it was just me being sad or me having high anxiety moments because life was a little crazy at the moment. So this episode has taught me that grief led me to therapy. And I hope others take the same route if they need to. And if you feel like you're not ready for therapy, then we have the next perfect tool, which is writing about it. Write about how you're feeling. What are you thinking about? What makes you miss something, someone, some place? If you're going through grief, try to identify what's happening with you and where you are lost. Because I think grief is also yourself lost in the web of emotion. And when I say show up, you got to go find yourself. You got to go figure out what left turn you took wrong <laughs> so you can get back on the course. Writing helps. I am a big proponent of writing. I know I have a love-hate relationship with journaling, but write yourself a letter on the computer if you don't want to use a pen and or pencil paper to write. Journaling was the first thing I thought of. Nine times out of 10, when you do seek therapy, your therapist is going to tell you to journal. It's like you're going to be led up to this point of writing, regardless if you do it on your own or someone tells you. But writing is a way of expression. Some people tend to write things down and then throw it in the river, or burn it afterwards, whatever, to release those feelings that they're having. So I highly encourage it as well. Uh, recently, my therapist told me about a worry jar and I think that can help in this situation as well. A grief jar. Hey, that'd be cute. If you write down memories that you have with the person because you're going through a moment of grieving where you're feeling so sad, that'd be a nice little way of remembering them. That's cute. I'm all on board for that. Moving along here. Getting some sleep also helps with grieving. I know it seems counterintuitive because you really want to go to sleep because then it could lead to depression. But our body needs to be able to rewire things in our brain and during waking hours it cannot do that successfully so you need to sleep in order for your brain to rewire things for you and of course you also need sleep because grieving is a lot of emotional weight there's been times where all I've wanted to do is sleep and I have slept for 48 hours 24 hours and it feels so good to be asleep during grieving moments that are so dark and deep. Sleep is also healing too. We talk about the mind needing to be rewired or re remapped, all these different things. The brain is a part of the rest of the body. The brain also is able to recharge and gain power while we're sleeping. So it's all a part of the healing process. I highly recommend getting a good night's sleep or taking a day off work to just nap throughout the day, whatever it is that you need. And grieving is draining. Just like anything else, when you catch a cold, it drains your energy. When you are going through a high stress situation, it drains your energy. I remember when I used to have anxiety and panic attacks shortly after, I felt so weak and I just wanted to lay down. So if you have to go to sleep to recharge, it can help. And I highly encourage it. I also encourage hypnosis. 
I'll just plug in hypnosis for grieving too, because that works as well. If you are stuck, if you're feeling stagnant in your grieving, and you know you are actively grieving, and you don't want to go get therapy because the cost, the living, eggs cost is rising. I get it. Do it at home. Do some hypnosis. Do your research first. And that may very well help you along your grieving journey. The last tool that we have, dedicate some rationale grieving time. If you are in the middle of your grieving and you just cannot take it because you got to go get eggs from Aldi, make it a habit to take 10 minutes from your day and grieve and think about the moments, the sadness, the betrayal, if you must, and grieve over it. Have those 10 minutes, come back to yourself and go about your day. I remember my latest therapist told me this when we were talking about tools. And at that moment, I thought, what the hell? So you're telling me I can't grieve because I only got 10 minutes? That sounds like BS. But I tried it and that does work. That does work. It works for a lot of things. It works for worry. It works for grieving. It works for anxiety. I really want to put it out there as a tool for grieving as well. That's a great idea. It gives you a chance to not only gather yourself, but you don't want to feel overstimulated or have that rushing feeling. Because think about it. If you are going through a grieving process and you're trying to work and you have a very heavy workload, all of a sudden work feels like torture. Now you can't focus. You're yelling at your boss. All these things can happen. The body needs time to itself. So to avoid feeling that rush or feeling overstimulated, maybe 15 minutes, 10 feels too short. I think that's all we really want to do is when we are grieving is breathe through it. We're going to be okay. And I know that sounds cliche. We should never say that to someone that's grieving. It's more important you feel that yourself. When people tell you that, to me, honestly, eh, it could be a hit or miss. It may be nice to hear, it may not be nice to hear, but as long as you feel that within yourself, you're going to be okay. That's what really matters. So I try to keep that in my mind when I'm going through something. Don't tell me I'm going to be okay. I know mm -hmm. for myself that I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We'll have another conversation about what we should be telling people and what we shouldn't be telling people. Because I think those are unpopular opinions we may have. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. You may have just dropped a hint for another future episode, but you got to stay tuned to find out. All right, listeners. So that concludes our topic for today about grieving. I hope that you guys found something that made you think on today's episode. I hope that you guys felt our emotion through this episode. And of course, I hope you guys felt our friendship through this episode because I couldn't have this conversation with anyone else other than Kim. And I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation together and put it on a platform to hopefully help and educate other people. We dropped many gems this episode. It's so much to learn, so much to gain. So. I'm glad that we're able to possibly help someone and maybe they can share with other people. It's a circle of sharing. With that, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, on TikTok, Soul Sisters Sunday podcast. We are uploading bi-weekly. Our next episode will be a mini cast. Stay tuned for that. As always, move in love, take good care of yourselves and stay tuned. We'll see you next time. This episode is being brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House.